1: Recorded live. Hello and welcome to Whistleblower Heroes here on Revolution Radio and I'm your host, Ella. What is a whistleblower? A whistleblower is a person who makes public disclosures of wrongdoing, corruption and crime. These courageous people often suffer retaliatory actions because of their disclosures. In the end, many of these people are often the catalyst for needed change and are eventually lauded as heroes. I'm here to celebrate these heroes and give them a platform, because shining a light on wrongdoing, wherever it occurs, plays an important role in keeping society peaceful, free, and just. So with me today, I have Mr. Bob Scott. Hi, Bob. Thank you for coming to the interview.
0: Well, thanks for having me. I sure appreciate the opportunity to uh, speak my piece a little bit.
1: Yeah, you have an amazing story, and I thought it was definitely <laughs> worth sharing with people. So I guess i like to always start from the beginning, like maybe give it back some background on your education, where you grew up, or anything that you feel like is important.
0: All right. Um, well, uh, I, I was an Army brat, and I was born in Texas at Fort Hood, and we moved around, um, winding up actually in Hawaii, uh, lived there when it became a state, and endured a... Uh, a tidal wave in Hilo, and I guess it was 1960 or 61, sometime around then, and then uh, my dad retired from the military, uh, and both he and my mom were from Laco, Texas, so we moved back here, and I I went to high school here and um, then went on ultimately to the University of Texas and graduated from there and became a graphic designer. That's what I did for about 30 years for my career. um,
1: Well, that was probably just becoming uh, a popular job option during the time. Am I correct?
0: That's right. It was kind of hitting its peak at that point. And um, I was in Austin and uh, worked for a wonderful graphic design firm, a very small firm called Hixo. And uh, I think uh, Mike Hicks was the owner, and I think that he was probably the best designer I've ever seen. So I got to sit and watch and learn from the best and uh from that point on i kind of went on my own i went out to california um and did a lot of uh, some entertainment work um i worked uh i did an album cover for neil young I, I worked with tracy chapman on some stuff um oh boy uh jerry jeff walker back here in texas gary p nunn paul cotton from poco um the seldom seen a bluegrass band Oh, boy, and, you know, a thousand other musicians that you may or may not have heard of or bands as well. Well, that sounds
1: and, exciting. You definitely had an interesting and exciting yeah, start. It was
0: fun. And, you know, I had a lot of other clients as well, a lot of, like, financial. Uh, it's had some banks and stuff. So there was some, some real uh, uh, variety in this types of things that I got to do. So it was a lot of fun. I sure enjoyed it. It was one of those jobs where I honestly couldn't wait to wake up in the morning and go to work. <laughs> that now, that's that's fine. Not too many people get to do that.
1: Yeah, I'd say so. So how long did you do that, or how long were you out in California? I was in
0: California, in San Francisco for six or seven years in the Bay Area, and then uh, migrated down to uh, Los Angeles because I was the bulk of my work was coming out of there. Um, and worked there for, for a few years. Then I uh, came back to Texas when both of my parents became ill and um, and wound up um, taking care of them for a number of years. So.
1: And also, let's preface by maybe telling the audience what you're here, the reason you're here, and why you're sharing your story, and then we can go into the details of it.
0: Very good. Um, well, um, it's it's a kind of a circuitous story with a lot of moving parts, but it's a a simple concept. Um, I married my high school sweetheart um, when I was about 45 years old. We reconnected, and unfortunately, we were having an affair. She sought me out in Austin, Texas, where I was working at the University of Texas, uh, heading up a design studio at the Student union. And she was an appointee for George W. Bush uh, when he was governor of Texas. Um, and apparently she had a history of these kinds of things. And anyway, um, she knew that uh, she was pretty much the love of my life at that point. Uh, I'd never been married at 45. I'd had a lot of girlfriends and so forth. But she was she was kind of the, the mark, the bar for me. And um, when she came back into my life, it was real hard to resist and... Uh, I didn't uh, indulge in that uh, relationship for a number of months, not because I'm some sort of saint or because God's going to strike me with a lightning bolt, but it's just a bad idea to have an affair for, for a number of reasons. So uh, it took a while, but uh, I unfortunately uh, succumbed to it, and um, we had an affair for about five years uh, in right. Austin. And this was while my ex-wife was developing the faith-based initiative for George W. Bush when he was governor of Texas. So you can sort of see the uh, the contrast in what she was developing and what her lifestyle was. Um, and when Bush um, became president, uh, he appointed my ex-wife. And by the way, her name is Elizabeth Darling. And... Uh, that she's still a very active player. In fact, let me let me start here, and then I'll come back to the background. Um, just within the last week, there have been some major developments, uh, even further than that. About two months ago, um, I was summoned by the FBI here in Waco, Texas, at their satellite office to speak to them. I had no idea what it was about, although they did tell me on the phone that it, I wasn't in trouble, so... That, of course, <laughs> raised a lot of red flags for me because uh, throughout the history of this issue with my ex-wife, uh, who's been an appointee in a number of administrations, uh, there have been a lot of difficulties uh, for me because of it. Anyway, so I made the, uh, the interview, and uh, it was about my ex-wife, and uh, apparently it was, uh, she was up for a, uh, an appointment and the FBI stated that they didn't know what the appointment was or who it was for but you can assume that if it's the Federal Bureau of Investigation that it's going to be a federal uh position so I assumed it was with Trump and it and it turned out to be that way um so I I spent over an hour with two agents and uh I went through the the story that I'll, I'll out, uh, lay out here with them and uh, had documentation with me and so forth, um, and told them uh, essentially what the truth was. And um, their ultimate question to me was, "Would you uh, appoint or hire Miss Darling?" And I said, "With all due respect, under the circumstances, I couldn't do it." And uh, had given them them the history, and they forwarded that on to the Trump administration. And the Trump administration, I. Assume assume they've chosen to ignore that, and here's, here's what happened. On the 20th, Friday the 20th, uh, just last Friday a week ago, at about 8 o'clock, it was announced that uh, President Trump had nominated uh, Elizabeth Darling to head up his Children, Youth, and Families Department uh, in his uh, federal administration. And that was what I assumed uh, would be happening, some, some type of appointment in his administration, and, and it was.
1: <clears throat>
0: and here's the really odd and interesting point. Uh, two days la- well, let's say four, four days later, one business day later, on Tuesday morning, the following Tuesday, which would be the 24th, I guess, she was approved by the Senate in the Senate hearing. And from everybody that I've spoken to, my contacts in the government and my contacts with attorneys and legal people that work in conjunction with the, the government, they have never seen a, a time frame that absolutely quick uh, in turning around an appointment. Normally, it's, it's many weeks or several months before um a hearing is even held the reason that that was done is because they wanted to keep the facts that i have from being presented and being considered by anybody making that decision so literally they but so announced
1: further i want people to know what happened she basically was responsible for the takedown of your entire life
0: <laughs> well that's true that's very true um Okay, so that's what happened just recently. So we'll get back. I'll go back to, to what we were talking about earlier. So uh, ultimately, we get married, and we get married in Washington D.C. And um, we, um, it, she's uh, in fact, uh, George W. Bush appointed her as the founding director of the White House Office of the Faith-Based Initiative in his administration. So we moved up to D.C. and we got married up there. And um, the the marriage fell apart very quickly. We'd been together for a number of years and never argued or had any problems. But um, something was up with Miss Darling, um, and I have no idea what that is. But we wound up getting a divorce, and it came out in our divorce, all of the, the, uh, the lifestyle that she had been leading. Um, she's been lying to her children, been lying to her first husband, she was lying to me, she was lying to George W. Bush, and so forth, and all all of her employers. So, um, that's where everything started. And of course, I mean, I've never, I'm not political. So I, and the odd thing about all this, the interesting thing about this, is the fact that I'm not a typical whistleblower, and it kind of puts me in a different position. I'm not An employee of the government and I there I've been told by attorneys that there are certain rules and regulations that apply to to uh, uh, to employees of the government and I'm outside of that because I'm just a regular citizen so what's been happening to me um, in in the silencing of me in in the cover-up of of Elizabeth Darling's faith-based sex scandal is really the government persecuting a private citizen. Not, I'm not one of their own. So it's, it's really put it in, into kind of an, uh, an interesting legal problem, uh, for them. Um, and it's ongoing because, uh, Trump obviously chose to, or his administration, I'm sure he wasn't reviewing any of this personally, but his administration decided to accept Miss Darling and, uh, and make sure that that my side of the story and the facts and the evidence of her scandal uh, not come out.
1: Um, And let's hear, you know, I want to go into great detail about that, about the scandal, but also, you know, we kind of jumped forward now. I wanted to go back to even before when you had, you know, been in California and you came Mm -hmm. back to Texas, and that's when you ran into her again because you had been the high school sweethearts?
0: That's correct. I was... uh, Uh, Back in Austin, Texas, where I graduated from UT and and began my uh, career as a graphic designer. And somehow or another, she found out that I was back there. And she wound up contacting me. She called me uh, through a mutual friend and wanted to have lunch. So we got together for lunch, and then I got a call that evening saying that she was staying over for another evening and wanted to go have cocktails. So I met her for cocktails, and the rest is history. (laughs)
1: And then you went to D.C. and you were married, and and did you know, what was her family like, and did you know, um, what what was her position at the time? What was she doing?
0: Well, Miss Darling was uh, a housewife, and I don't mean that with any disrespect at all, Um, and a fantastic mother. She raised uh, two natural children and an adopted uh, son. And um was fantastic at it her Her children have absolutely turned out great. They're wonderful people, uh, extremely well educated, very smart. Ms Darling's probably the smartest person I, I've ever met. she's uh, her dad I, I knew her parents very well from high school, and uh, her dad at one point was actually an aeronautical engineer and, and developed um, uh, some some jet airplanes for the government so he he was a r- rather smart man. And uh, I really liked her family, and I believe her family really liked me a lot. Um, so, so there was this nice history that we had, going all the way back to high school. And uh, so, um, she had three children, and um, I, they, the problem was, they couldn't understand. They couldn't understand how their mother, who presented a faith and family first kind of. Approach to being a mother and a wife and and a family member uh, could divorce their father and split up their family, and she did it rather abruptly. And there was, uh, I guess, a couple of years between the time she divorced and the time we got married. But to a you know eighteen nineteen year old kid, that's a pretty short period of time. That you know that, that that I think they were very confused as to why Ms. Darling would do that. And I think ultimately um, our divorce was caused by that confusion in Miss Darling's desire to make it right with her kids. And I don't disagree with that 100%. I think you have to uh, put the kids first, and, and I think that that's probably what she was trying to do. I don't believe there was any malice toward me in our divorce. I think she was just trying to correct a wrong that she perceived that she had made toward her children. So that's kind of how it all started. Um, And I'd given up my career at the University of Texas uh, and moved up there. I'd given up the last year of my mother's life uh, to be with her. And that's all we talked about when we were together. And we'd been together probably about seven or eight years by that time. And, again, we never had any arguments or or any real problems or anything. We were, you know, just a wonderful, it was a wonderful relationship. And uh, it was all that I expected it to be from what I would imagined it would have been, uh, you know, early on from high school on the way through. So um, it it was quite a surprise once I got up there. I I came up uh, several months later. Um, uh, She moved up um, four months before I did and uh, I quit my job at the University of Texas and actually went to Jamaica with a, uh, a wonderful uh, musician and friend, Peter Rowan, um, who's, um, it was an original Bluegrass Boy with Bill Monroe and uh, did an album with uh, Jerry Garcia from The Grateful Dead and has played with just about everybody on the planet. And uh, I went down with him to cut an album that he did, and uh, I wound up staying a month and... Uh, and sort of decompressing from the death of my father, and uh, the, you know, just sort of trying to get get my head straight about uh, everything that was happening and was about to happen. So, um, I came back to Texas, uh, squared away my mother, uh, made sure everything was okay with her, and uh, had her blessing. Uh, she had Parkinson's disease at that time, and uh, I pretty much I'd taken care of both of my parents for about four years. Uh, consistently. Uh, in, in fact, I'd even moved in with them and, and taken care of them that way. And um, so I was, they, it was time for me to kind of get going again on my own stuff. And uh, that's when I decided to get married and move up to D.C. So I went up to D.C. and um, and we got married and um, that that's how it all started. <laughs> so okay. it was a uh, she was, uh, at that time, the founding director of Bush's White House Office of the Faith-Based Initiative.
1: I see. And then when did you find out about a scandal? Or Let's get to the scandalous right. part. The okay.
0: Um, well, obviously, she and I had, had an affair for about five years while she was developing the Faith-Based Initiative. During our relationship, she told me that she had had other affairs and multiple affairs. Um, in our divorce case, Miss Darling uh, had a deposition, and she made those statements then she also stated that she misspent or that she used illegally uh Texas state money to pay for hotel rooms and dinners and so forth uh when she was having adulterous affairs. These were uh, statements that she made in a deposition, and these were pretty pretty scandalous now, what happened then was when this surfaced in our divorce case, and we were separated at that point, George W. Bush transferred her out of his administration into the administration of Republican Maryland Governor Robert Ehrlich, and they buried her and put her on ice in um, the um, uh, employee relations department, and she was there for, I think, four or five years which was the duration of our divorce. And that's significant in the way this thing played out. What they were doing was they were moving Miss Darling out of that administration, the Bush administration, in case this thing went public. Now, I wasn't I wasn't even thinking scandal at this point. I wasn't even uh considering releasing it or anything. I was just trying to you know uh, get through the fact that my dad had just died i'd just given up a, my career moved two thousand miles away and married the woman i loved and now we're no longer together so i'm just I, you know, i'm dealing with all these things and in the middle of all that uh i was injured in a, a pretty bad auto accident and was fired from my job at a uh, i was a creative director at an ad agency so uh, all of that happened in about a 32-day period, just a little bit over a month. So, uh, Some people have pointed out that uh, that could have been orchestrated. I never considered that because I'm not uh, a very skeptical person. I am now, though. I'll tell you that. Um, And it sure seems logical that they would sort of orchestrate that sort of thing. uh, So she had this deposition, and she admitted to all of these things. She admitted to having sex in public. Um, one of the real damning things uh, was uh, some photographs that I took of her. Um, w- when I took these photographs, and it was in July of 2002, Miss Darling had just been transferred out of uh, the uh, faith-based initiative and was in, uh, put in charge of the uh, Children, Youth, and Families Department um, in HHS under Wade Horn and Joan O, ironically, uh, uh, President Donald Trump has just appointed Miss Darling back into that position, and uh, with Children, Youth, and Families, and that's the position that they transferred Miss Darling out of into uh, the Maryland position to keep her out of their administration. Now the background with all of this is. Uh, there, there are some pretty big name players that are involved here. One of which is, is Don Willett. We knew him as Donnie Ray Willett. Donnie Ray Willett was uh, a legal advisor for George W. Bush, as uh, uh, when he was governor and when he became president. Donnie Ray Willett was uh, and is responsible for just about every one of Ms. Darling's. Appointments, if not all of them. Um, it, 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 he uh, Miss Darling was uh, in it, when she was appointed by Bush in in uh, Texas. She was the um, vice chair of Health and Human Services. Don Willett helped her do that, helped her get that position. Uh, in fact, we went to his wedding, um, his announcement party, and to his his wedding in Austin, Texas where Miss Darling sang some Patsy Cline songs with the band. So that's how good of a relationship she had with him. Now, the interesting thing right now with Don Willett is he is no longer Donnie Ray Willett. He is Judge Don Willett. Um, He left the uh, Bush administration and was appointed by Rick Perry back in Texas as uh, a Supreme Court justice for the state of Texas. Donald Trump, about a month or two ago just appointed him as a federal judge to the Fifth Circuit uh, Court, a Western District in Austin, Texas. The interesting thing there is I sued Ms. Darling and Rick Perry, who's also involved in this, um, because he appointed Ms. Darling to head his uh, faith-based uh, uh, program called the, the One Star Foundation in Texas. So he's involved in this. Anyway, um, so, so um, Don Willett is now, in that lawsuit, let me just say, say this. In the lawsuit I filed against uh, Perry and Miss Darling, uh, I mentioned Don Willett as uh, somebody that was involved in this issue and had a dog in the hunt, so to speak, uh, to keep uh, this story from being uh, made public and exploded. And now he is a judge in the very, dis- very court in which I presented that case. And he was appointed by Donald Trump. And Rick Perry, who I sued in that case, is an appointee of Donald Trump, and I understand a close advisor of Donald well, Trump. Well, I'm sorry, so, maybe I
1: missed something. What is a lawsuit based on, or what were you suing them for?
0: Okay, uh, for covering up um, Ms. Darling's sex scandal. Um, and what had happened was there was an alleged release of information um, at some sort of seminar with a, uh, some sort of faith-based um, uh, nonprofit seminar about Miss Darling. Rick Perry and his governor's office came out and publicly stated in uh, a statement on a uh, a website of a sister organization to the One Star Foundation that was involved in this uh, seminar, uh, stating their involvement in handling the issue. And the the lawsuit that I filed, and I did it pro se, uh, from, all the way from Florida in Key West, where I was living, um, it, it was about Perry's involvement with his... Um, governor's office using state and possibly federal assets and certainly uh lawyers and uh, researchers and you know and staff and members and employees of the state, essentially against me in a divorce case a private divorce case issue and that was what my lawsuit was based on against Rick perry um, and and for covering up. Miss Darling's sex scandal. Um, I, I I was talking about some photographs that I took of her at Fort Washington, where she exposed her breasts uh, for an entire roll of film um, throughout the day at Fort Washington, which is in the D.C. area on the Maryland side of the Potomac, and it was in front. I mean, there were dozens of families there with with children, and she was just flashing her boobs. All you know for an entire roll of film, and that was a big point of contention. And I, I we, were, I was trying to make that point a few minutes ago, and I got sidetracked. But um, I still have that photo. Uh, one one photograph in particular is is very damning, and uh, that's something that they haven't been able to uh, suppress. Although um, they have certainly tried to do that. In fact, Miss Darling's deposition that I mentioned earlier was um ordered destroyed by the family courts in Fairfax Virginia where our divorce case occurred when was the last time you ever heard of a an actual court ordering the destruction of hard admitted evidence have you ever heard of such a thing uh,
1: not personally <laughs>
0: Well, neither had I and neither had anybody else. And the only way that they could do that was with the cooperation of my attorney. His name is Raymond B. Benzinger, and he pretty much sold me out and allowed that to occur. Um, And it did. And uh, all of the admissions that she had made in that deposition are now destroyed. And she admitted to misusing uh, state funds for adulterous affairs she admitted to having sex in public and this is all while she's developing the faith-based initiative for george bush so you can see what the problem would be (laughs) you know you can't have your founding director of the white house office of the faith-based initiative admitting to you know having sex at um uh, sarah's dry creek saloon down in uh austin texas you know or uh or, or photographs of her showing her breasts out in public. You can't have that. So that's part of the problem here. That's the, that's the scandal. So it's pretty much about her lifestyle and um, her affinity for risky behavior in that respect, um, and multiple affairs. And this is somebody that's uh, destroyed two families. I mean, she's. Uh, as, a, as a result of all of the that I've gone through, I'll just go through the list of, of things that's happened. Um, they certainly recruited my attorney, uh, and what they what he did was he 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 told me that I needed to move away from Washington D.C. and that he would handle the case. Um, he said, "I'll you know I've got your back. I'll take care of it. You need to get on with your life." And I thought that was probably a good idea. I'd healed up from the auto accident enough to where I felt I could uh, go start over somewhere. So I went to Key West, Florida. And I never heard, heard from my attorney again. He never returned any of my calls. And the divorce drug on for another two two or three years. And what that was for was to get me entrenched down in Key West. So when I finally figured out that he was involved with them and helping them instead of me and that there was a cover-up going on, uh, that it would be extremely difficult for me to get out of. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, I even tried to file a complaint against him, uh, but that went nowhere and pretty much anything I've done as far as com- uh, complaints and, um, uh, and legal issues, um, uh, I haven't. I haven't been successful, even though I'm presenting hard evidence, and uh, the evidence is never even addressed. Um, there have been a, a, a number of uh, court hearings called for by Miss Darling, and I have been absent from each and every one of them, and that's by design because I'm not. E- I'm either not told about it, and I miss miss the hearing. And I'm certainly not hiding, and it certainly doesn't do me any good to not be involved. So they they knew how to get a hold of me. It was easy enough. Or they did get a hold of me, and uh, the judge gave me 12 hours to get from Key West, Florida, to Fairfax, Virginia, in order to uh, meet in court the next morning at 8 o'clock. Well, try to make uh, travel arrangements and prepare a case in 12 hours, and you can't do it. I mean, it just can't be done. So they've done that to me the whole time. Um, so that's the, the the basis for their defense is are are the rulings that they've gotten in those those hearings. And there's really nothing of substance except to say that I'm a bad guy. That's all they've been able to say. And there's no definition of that. There's certainly no history of of, of uh, abuse or. Um, I, I have no arrest history. I've never been in jail. Uh, uh, you know, I, no, I'm not a you know n- nothing with drugs or anything. I've been a, a pretty model citizen throughout my life. I'm just I'm really pretty boring, actually. But, <laughs> but that, apparently that that worked in my favor. But um, they've that's the only basis for their defense is to say that oh he's a bad guy. Or to, uh, or, or to somehow convict me of exposing this information. And even if I did, it, exposing factual information of a criminal conspiracy within our government is not a bad thing. Now, here's another thing that happened. Um, I'd mentioned that they transferred Ms. Darling out of the administration for the duration of our divorce case, which was about five years. At the end of our divorce case, they transferred her back into the Bush administration into something called uh, it was it was not in the uh, faith and family realm at all it was uh, the corporation for National and community service so um there there's a real uh, a real issue here why would you why would the administration Bring somebody back that has caused so much trouble that they had to ship her out of their administration to keep their administration from being damaged by her her uh, her actions and her her scandal, and then they bring her back in. The only thing I can think of is if she 's got dirt on somebody or she 's having affairs, and I know how she works that 's the way she does it uh, with you know high up people and i don't I have no uh, Uh, any proof of that but the players that I've named I mean all the way up to George W. Bush come to mind you know Don Willett and he's a big um, uh, religious guy and he you know he states that publicly often Um, and I didn't have any reason to doubt that until all of this started happening and it seems like he's you know, just as uh, much of a facade as everybody else is. But, I, I, you know, that's just kind of my personal impression of that. But um, I found it very disturbing that they would bring her back in. And um, after she was in uh, that position, and I can't, I honestly don't know what it was that she did for the Corporation for National Community Service. I think she was the chief operations officer or something like that. Um, When I was in Key West, one morning at about 6 o'clock, two federal agents started pounding on my door and disturbed everybody in in the house that I lived in. I rented an upstairs apartment. And uh, they were there to threaten me with federal arrest because, again, there had been some uh, release of information. And uh, there were two two agents. Um, they weren't FBI. They were um, AG, AG, um, uh, attorney, uh, adjutant. No, wait a minute, uh, I- IG, I'm sorry. Inspector uh, Inspector General agents for um, the Bush administration. And they got pretty rough with me. They they really you know they kind of pinned me up against the wall and said, you know, we're we're here to investigate your ex wife, but you know, you can go to jail for this. You know, they're trying to, to scare me and intimidate me into something. What? I don't know. I guess they keep keep quiet, but that didn't work. They came back ten days later and did the same thing again, threatening me with federal arrest, but they never pulled the trigger on it. And when, they, when that happened, I realized that they weren't really going to do much to me except ruin me. They didn't have a whole lot of... Uh, of options as far as uh, throwing me in jail or, or any kind of legal thing, I didn't think. Um, and I discussed it with a couple of attorney friends of mine, and they felt the same way. And it, I, I sort of was emboldened by that because, um, you know, having never been to jail, I, I really contemplated what it would be like to go to a federal jail for what? God knows what, but I mean, these people are in charge of the systems, and they can come up with just about anything they want to. In fact, another thing that they did when I was in Key West was they held a hearing down there, of course, which I was not involved in. And during that time, they assigned uh, very cryptically um, a woman named um, Sharon Nelson, and they didn't name her company. But her company, if if you Google this and look her up, she she started a company called Sensei Enterprises. Sensei Enterprises is a an internet forensics company, and this company was assigned to me in family court uh, by my ex-wife, and Rick Perry was behind this, as was George Bush, to monitor me and surveil me. And there's a quote in the actual passage in the in the uh, final judgment that says. By any means possible, because they were afraid of this information getting out, and there were apparently two leaks. This is when Miss Darling was uh, the uh, uh, was was appointed by Rick Perry. She was back in Texas at this time, and uh, she has been the uh, president and CEO of One Star Foundation since, I think, 2009, something like that. Anyway, so this information got out. Um, at that seminar, and it was this hearing took place apparently just a couple weeks after that had happened and uh, i was uh, I was never informed that there was a hearing I was never there to uh, defend myself, and they don 't have to uh, show any proof of of any allegation they, The court just rubber stamps what they asked for, and that 's that so that 's how they 've been been able to do what they 've done. Um so at at that point they assigned this quasi government related business, Sensei Enterprises, literally to monitor me. Um so uh I have assumed since that period of time that my phone, uh my email, uh my Facebook has all been, been uh um tapped and uh surveilled. Uh, I suspect that my spending habits, whatever debit credit card that i used uh anything electronic is being uh, is being used to monitor to to monitor my activities um, and I think that that's true because when uh miss darling uh about two weeks before the announcement of her of uh, uh, Donald Trump's uh, nomination of her for the Children, Youth, and Families Department currently. My, my phone stopped working, my Facebook account got hacked, and my email account got hacked. And all three of those conduits of communication for me were shut down at various times simultaneously. And uh, I've had to redo my Facebook account uh i've uh, my email uh i'd send emails out that would not nobody received uh other people would get emails from somebody using my account that uh, wasn't for me uh my uh my e- uh, what else my facebook and uh and phone my phone stopped working uh i couldn't make calls i couldn't get calls um so and and that's Couple weeks before Ms. Darling's announcement that she's uh, been nominated for by Trump for this position, so I have to think that all of that is somehow or another uh, not coincidental, because uh, those four things to ha- uh, you know the the nomination and the three conduits of communication all coinciding at the same time and and all being negative on my side of the equation. It just kind of reeks of, of how they do things. Um, so this is what they've done to me. They Essentially, they have assigned an Internet forensics company to monitor me. Uh, oh, 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 here's another major thing that I haven't spoken about. Throughout this entire time uh, of legal issues in, um, in, I guess, about a 10 to 12-year period, I have faced no less than nine Bush judges. And keep in mind, this is a scandal that originated and mostly resides in a George W. Bush administration, whether it's uh, when he was governor of Texas or whether uh, when he was president. Um, All three political Bushes uh, have appointed judges that have ruled against me on uh, various uh, court issues. Uh, concerning this case. Um, and I can pull up their names if you want me to give you those. Um, one of which is Don Willett that I spoke about earlier. Um, he he did not, he, he's not ruled um, in any of the cases, but he is certainly a judge that is involved um, in this case, uh, just in a different way from, from the others. Um, uh, let's see here. They are Don Willett, and I'll just go ahead and read you what I've got here on my um, on the sheet that I submitted to court. It says, let's see here, Supreme Court Justice Don Willett. Obviously, I wrote this when he was a Supreme Court justice. Now he's a, a federal judge, uh, and he was chief counsel to President George W. Bush and appointed to the Texas Supreme Court by Governor Rick Perry. As a result of his personal relationship with Ms. Darling, Willett was instrumental in securing appointments for Ms. Darling within the administration of President and Governor George W. Bush and Governor Perry. Willett was instrumental in the cover-up of the faith-based sex scandal caused by Ms. Darling uh, within the presidential administration of George W. Bush, and it's mainly because he had a big dog in the hunt. He was responsible for getting her in there, and she kind of screwed it up by doing all this crazy stuff. Um, in the case that I filed against Rick Perry and Miss Darling in Austin, in the Fifth Circuit Court, uh, Western District, I faced Judge Lee Yakel, Judge Sam Sparks, and Judge Andrew Austin. Yakel and Sparks were both Bush, George W. Bush appointees. Keep in mind, George W. This scandal originated in George W. Bush's administration. Andrew Austin was a magistrate judge that was assigned by Yackel and Sparks to oversee the case and actually hear it. Um, I presented the case pro se, which was, i got to tell you, one of the scariest things I've ever done. Um, I've never presented a case, but I, um, from a couple of uh, attorney friends of mine, they said I must have done a great job because uh, the, ca- the case actually lasted uh, almost a full year. They said if I had screwed up or if it didn't have any legs, it would never have made it past 15 minutes in the first hearing. But um, but it lasted a full year, and uh, and I, I, that was the victory for me. The conclusion of that was, um, and I had sued Perry and uh, Ms. Darling for $1.5 million in damages. And of course I did not get the award for that. But the only thing that they said was I couldn't sue Miss Darling again without getting the permission of that particular court. It was called Rule 11, I believe is what that's called. That's what they what that was their defense. That was the thing that they were going for with Rule 11. And uh, apparently it means that uh, you know, they they didn't have to defend what they did. We never even discussed the case. The judge just completely ignored everything that I presented. Um, and I actually went, uh, okay, uh, let me just name some other judges here uh, briefly, uh, getting away from that particular uh, hearing. Um, when I was in Key West, uh, I filed for bankruptcy because because of this. I had a a family trust that I had inherited and contributed to with some of my savings. And I wanted to protect that, and I was told to do so by several attorneys. And um, I had to go to bankruptcy court where they took my entire trust of almost $400,000. Um, I refused. How that happened was my attorney, by that time, I had realized that Raymond B. Benzinger had sold me out and that he had not done what he was supposed to do. In fact, he had missed uh, a variety of different uh, deadlines which cost, uh, which was against what I asked him to do and cost me the case, really. And I said, well, I'm not going to pay you to do their work for you, you know. So he sued me and they completely gutted my entire trust of almost $400,000. And the bill was for $38,000 or something like that. So... Um, some shenanigans went on with that, and that was um, uh, that was under uh, President George H. W. Bush's appointed judge, A. J. Crystal. He was the um, uh, bankruptcy judge that I faced, and he took my entire trust for a bill of 40, basically forty thousand dollars. And within two months, I was living on the streets in Key West, Florida. And that was about 10 years ago. And for all intent and purposes, I have been homeless for most of, if not all, of that time. In fact, um, in January, I have rented my first apartment since that period of time uh, by myself. Um, up to that point, I lived on couches. I slept on the street. I slept in... Uh, storage units uh, for jobs that I worked on, where we kept equipment. Um, I've uh, slept in closets <laughs> at houses of friends that say, "Okay, we'll, we'll rent you a you know a closet for two hundred dollars a month or whatever." Uh, so it's, they have completely destroyed me financially as a result of this. Um, the um, yeah, that's the very, hearing. I'm sorry.
1: Similar,
0: but that's very extreme it, it is and uh i just you know i i can't figure out why nobody can really figure it out because miss darling was not an essential appointee you know in terms of um uh, country safety or 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 detente or anything like that it was just you know a heading of a of a, of a uh, you know, of a newly created faith-based initiative. Um, and the only thing that we can think of is the fact that she's got dirt on some of these higher-up people or up to George Bush or, or Don Willett or, who, or whatever, you know, whoever it is. And that that they're protecting her or, or she's using that as, hey, you know, keep, keep promoting me or this information gets out. Uh, that's the only thing I can think of because none of this, would have even had to have happened if they would have said, oh, well, okay, we can't really, you know, we're just going to have to fire her. We can't have somebody like this in our administration. Okay, Ms. Darling, pack your bags. You're out of here. End of story. N- no drama. No destruction. Uh, everybody goes back to square one and continues on, but they didn't do that. And, um, I mean, they recruited my attorney to throw the case. Um, he sued me with a Bush judge that gutted four hundred thousand dollars out of a trust for a forty thousand dollar bill. Um, they've sent federal agents after me. They've stacked the deck uh, with nine uh, judges uh, against me. Um, on and on. I mean, there's and, you know they kept me out of court hearings so that they could get their their rulings uh, without proving them or having any defense. And uh, essentially what they've done here in this appointment uh, with Donald Trump is exactly the same thing. They have kept the information that I have from being presented. And they did that by an accelerated uh, time frame from the time they released the nomination information of Ms. Darling to the time that they had the uh, Senate hearing, which was literally one business day later. Now, here's the amazing thing uh, of that. She's replacing a guy named uh, Lopez, I believe. He was an Obama appointee. Um, And he's uh, moving out of the government and into the private sector at a place called uh, Accenture. And I, I know nothing about that, but that's what I've read. Now, He announced this back in May of 2017. What is that? Eight nine months ago. This was uh, announced nine months ago. So why did why did they only have a a one day turnaround timeframe to announce Miss Darling and then approve Miss Darling? Have the hearing to approve her. The only reason is to make sure. That my case, got nowhere near uh, the Senate or anybody of importance to be considered. So essentially what they've done is they have once again done the same thing they've done to me in court. They have kept me out of the process, and uh, by virtue of that, they've kept um, all the information, all the hard evidence of Ms. Darling's scandal and the people that are involved out of that consideration. They've done it in court, and now they've done it in this Senate hearing. It's unheard of to have this kind of a rushed hearing for a low-level appointee like this. And the only reason that they're doing it is to continue the cover-up. And now the Trump administration has involved themselves in this cover-up by those actions. So it spans... Governor George W. Bush, Texas Governor George W. Bush's uh, administration when he was governor of Texas, it it spans his, it continues on into his uh, presidential administration. They transfer her over into Robert Ehrlich's administration over in Maryland as a Republican governor and put her on ice there to hide her. Then they move her back into the George W. Bush administration for the last year or so of his uh, tenure as uh, president and then rick perry appoints her to the one-star foundation back in austin texas and he gets involved with it and now she's appointed into the trump administration where they make sure that the information that i have again it's hard evidence photographs emails uh, and there are some court documents um In addition to um, destroying Miss Darling's deposition, it was also ordered by the court that I am forbidden from possessing any copies of any document of my own divorce case, and that nobody—I have never met an attorney that has ever heard of such a thing. But this was ordered by the court, and um, and that's been the case. I have not been. Uh, given the copies of my divorce case, except I had been mailed anonymously several pretty damning uh, documents where Miss Darling actually admitted in court uh, to having affairs and uh, and various uh, different things that uh, make up the the uh, the scandal so i that's that's what they're worried about is this I have that one document I also have the photographs I also have our personal emails, and certainly I have the uh the history of uh the timing of moving her out of the administration into Ehrlich's administration. I've got the federal agents banging on my door and threatening me with federal arrest We've got the Federal uh, Sensei Enterprises, company that's an internet forensics company, monitoring me. We've got nine Bush judges sitting uh, in court in judgment of me on a Bush a Bush case. Um, I've been ruined financially. My career is over. Um, I work. I'm 62 years old now, and I do the job of a 25-year-old uh, in a warehouse. Basically, I pump 100-pound bags of blast sand and other materials all day long. I'm in pretty good shape for a 62-year-old but as a result, but I'd gladly trade that for my old life, I promise. you. So that's pretty much the way it's happened. And um, this whole thing, you know, has unfolded over time and I'm always behind the eight ball I'm always behind the curve on it um I just I am not geared to uh, you know to to be uh, uh suspicious like that um I always think the best of people or try to uh and it's really just absolutely destroyed that um I just don't, I don't trust anybody anymore It's just a—it's a real nightmare, and I'm—I'm working for $13 an hour. I can't afford anything. A friend of mine has loaned me a car, um, which I've had for the last year, and won't accept any—any money for it. Um, And I lived uh, up until January. I lived in uh, a a friend's house for two years here in Waco for free, free, rent-free, trying to get me on my feet. And ironically. This friend is Miss Darling's best friend.
1: (laughs) That that is ironic.
0: (laughs) And it was weird, but she's also one of my best friends who I've known since uh, seventh or eighth grade. I also dated her as well. Uh, She and Miss Darling were roommates in college. Uh, In fact, um, Miss Darling and I met at her house in Houston on numerous occasions um, during our adulterous affair. So she's very well aware um, of the whole circumstance and she was extremely sweet. She's, she's really a very, very sweet person. And um, I was pretty suspicious about her offer, but um, I, I just, you know, I, I was thinking, well, they're just probably going to set up a bunch of cameras and, you know, videotape me and get some sort of incriminating evidence. But like I said, I'm a pretty boring guy. So they, after maybe a couple of months, of that they probably said, "Well, okay, this is nothing's going to happen here." So, um, I, you know, I, I I don't think that any of that really happened. But um, it, it wasn't it wasn't the setup like I originally thought it could be. Uh, she was just being very kind and allowing me to do that. In fact, um, she's on my side of the equation with this, and she's very. Uh, Disturbed and upset that miss darling would would do something like this, and we've had a number of our old friends uh come and visit when we when, uh, my friend and her husband would come up from Houston to stay in their house, and we we'd have our mutual friends and then we all you know we all grew up together, and they all knew Miss darling as well as as me and they of course they they asked about the circumstance, and I pretty much told them. Um, Basically, the Starling caused a scandal for the Bush administration. The Bush administration covered it up in a variety of actions. Uh, one of which uh, has absolutely destroyed my life, which is financially. Um, and it's you know, when you fight the system, and and you have to present your case within the system, the system wins because they're they stack the deck. They've got you know I've been up against nine Bush judges. And I didn't see one Scott family judge up there at all. <laughs> you know? So um, they own it, you know, and they manipulate it the way they want to. And, I mean, a, a great example of that is uh, this unbelievable time frame of one day from announcing it publicly, uh, Miss Starling's uh, nomination to the Senate hearing confirming her. That's.
1: Uh, still speak so respectful of her. You, you refer to her as Miss Darling. So, you know, there's, it's interesting that you do that. I don't know if you're just really polite or if you still have respect for her.
0: Well, you know, I, it's, it's, that's a very good question. And the answer to that, and, and I appreciate you asking it because it does give me a chance to say this um, I do have a great deal of respect for Miss Darling. And the reason I say that is because I've known her since I was 16 years old. Like I said, I was 62. We had a wonderful relationship in high school and early college until we broke up. And when we reunited um, and my parents were ill and I was taking care of them, there is nobody on this planet that could have supported me in the way that she did. And I mean it was a tough, tough time for me with both of my folks being ill and dying and um there's nobody on this planet that could have uh, held me together uh except for miss darling and it, it's this whole thing has just uh this whole scandal issue and so forth is just uh so contrary and contradictory to what I feel is her is her nature of of uh sweetness and love. Um I, I, I seriously believe that she suffers from manic depression and um and that's the cause of a lot of her uh, lifestyle issues and so forth. Uh but that also gives her the the energy to um to accomplish a great deal of things and she's great at juggling half a dozen huge events. Uh, not, you know, just one of those would kill the rest of us, but she can handle, you know, a half dozen or so. So she is probably the most capable person I've ever met. Also one of the most talented artistically. Uh, she uh, And she's a wonderful songwriter an incredible singer, a great musician. Um, uh, and just, she's, and like I said, just smart, I mean, I, I've never met anybody like her. She is absolutely uh, just an astounding human being. Um, and, you know, 99.99% of her is incredible, but this one-tenth of 1% just ruins the rest of it. It just ruins it all. And it's just an enormously sad circumstance. Um to, uh, not for myself, but to, to witness what she's put everybody through because uh, because she's so good at garnering trust and belief. And because she, she's, I mean, like I said, man, she supported me during my parents. I mean, it was unbelievable. Like, nobody could have done that except her. Unbelievable. It was unbelievable. Um, and I know that other people have experienced that same level. Uh, in whatever endeavor it was, and then to have have her do something like this to me or to them, it's just absolutely devastating. And, and there is a large wake of destruction behind her of people uh, that either loved her or counted on her or were related to her or appointed or hired her. And prior to being appointed in government, she did not hold a position. She was, I think, she taught school, like fifth or sixth grade for a year, thirty years ago. But what she did was she raised her family. And uh, again, I, I, there's there's no negative connotation there in uh, in my presentation of that at all. Uh, I think that is absolutely admirable. And if you have the opportunity financially to spend that much time with your kids, then then that you do. And she she took that very seriously. But she also betrayed them um, with, with her multiple affairs and with what's happened between her and I and uh, all this scandal. You know, I mean, it's just it's just absolutely baffling. But if you if you trust her and count on her, you will be destroyed by her. I mean, George Bush had to deal with the scandal; they had to ship her out deal with all the fallout from that. Don Willett's had to deal with it. Rick Perry's had to deal with it. And let's not forget, Rick Perry and Don Willett, well, they're both Trump appointees too. So it's hard to drain the swamp when you're putting the swamp (laughs) in positions of power and influence. So he's got three people involved in one scandal, in my scandal, in this darling scandal. in his administration right now. As of uh, Tuesday of last week, if you have three. That I know of. There's probably more. So well, um, I you know, I don't know what to do. I I moved back to Waco as a as pretty much my last asset. I was uh, sort of a Hail Mary move. Um I was living in an abandoned house down in Key West. Um for about the last five or six months that I was there, a friend owned it and was trying to uh, get permits and so forth to get it fixed up, and he let me live there, uh, and that's that's where I um, uh, fi- wrote the lawsuit that I ultimately filed against Rick Perry and Miss Darling. Um, I did it uh, on my computer that was given to me by Doyle Grisham, who's uh, Jimmy Buffett's pedal steel guitar player. Uh, For 40 years Uh, He's from the Waco area And we became friends uh, When I was working uh, for Mr. Buffett Down in in, uh, Key West At the recording studio And uh, I've actually worked with him On several of my own uh, Original songs and so forth And we've become pretty good friends And he's got family back here that I know So uh, I stay In in contact with him But he he had given me A computer Because I couldn't afford one, and mine had had crapped out, so he sent me a computer, and um, I typed, uh, I wrote that whole lawsuit in the dark um, uh, with my computer sitting on a cardboard box and me sitting on a uh, another uh, another a wooden box, and uh, under those circumstances, (laughs) God, I don't even know how I did it, but I wrote a, a a lawsuit against a the governor of Texas about a scandal that happened in the Bush administration against my ex-wife and I made it stick for 10 months <laughs> that's I that's uh, you know people pointed that out I I'm just now kind of getting a perspective on that and that was uh, I filed it in 2014 so it's only it's been about 3 year 3 4 years so just now kind of getting a feel for that but cuz I was so close to it and I'd just go home every night and uh hours doing that and you know i the reason i did it i knew i wasn't going to win because i knew the deck was stacked against me but i had never up until that time been able to present my side of the case nobody had they kept me completely out of the hearings prior to that my divorce attorney certainly did not represent my position and a lot of this stuff happened after I fired my divorce attorney. So it was post, I, I guess you'd call it post-divorce, um, but they were still related to the divorce because it, it, th- these issues occurred under the umbrella of the divorce because the the scandal came out in the divorce. And that's really the only uh, relationship to the divorce case that this scandal has. And the perception that I have to fight back here in Texas, because Miss Darling was back here for seven years before I came back, is the false narratives that she put out, basically saying, well, he's a disgruntled ex-husband, and he's just trying to screw me over by doing this, and none of this ever happened. Well, you know, that's what people believe if they hear it for seven years. So I've come back to that perception of me. and. I have absolutely no history throughout my entire life of any of that kind of behavior. None. So, um, I there are some people that were skeptical because they kind of understood how Miss Darling had been and they'd seen that side of her before me. And I guess I you know I guess love is blinding because I didn't see it or I chose not to. Um, but anyway, the point is I've I've had to kind of battle that sort of thing and I've been able to win over a couple of people that were. Kind enough to sit down and look at hard evidence and documentation and see the timeline of events and uh, actions that have been taken. And once they see that, they kind of go, "Oh, wow, federal agents. Oh, wow, uh, uh, an internet forensics company. Oh, nine judges. <laughs> oh, oh, your divorce attorney. Oh, okay, yeah, I get it." <laughs> so, uh, anyway, the point is. Um, uh, my life has been destroyed, and I have not been able to get a foothold. I came back here to Waco, hoping against hope that I could get one, and that some miracle would occur, but it didn't. And um, and I'm not really sure what I do now, except um, just go live on the streets again. Uh, that's that's the next option that's coming up. Um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm just too old to be. To be hired at any job, it took me a year to find the warehouse job that I have now, and it's uh, you know it's a $13 an hour job, and it's just doesn't pay pay the bills. And the only reason I'm able to continue in this into this in this uh, apartment is from the meager savings from the two years that I didn't pay rent uh, by the good graces of my friends that allowed me to stay in their house. And when that uh, savings runs out, um, then I'm going to be at a deficit and not be able to pay rent. And this is a a, a very, very inexpensive part. It's $450 all bills paid. And it, uh, I've got a couple of other bills that I'm paying as well, but trust me, I don't live an extravagant life.
1: <laughs>
0: I mean, uh, it's, you know. Um, after- it, I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: You're going to have to. You have to rebuild. You have to start from scratch.
0: Yes, that's right. And I've been trying to do that for 10 years, and I've never even. I've never even gotten back to the surface yet. Uh, when I lived in Key West, as a result of uh, being destroyed financially and being homeless, I had. I had actually had five jobs at one time. I was a delivery de- driver for a bakery, and I started every morning at 4:30, and I worked. Uh, six days a week until 11:30 at night uh, after the bakery job ended sometimes uh, mid-afternoon uh, i would uh, i, I uh, did landscaping i had three yards that i took care of i'd do that uh, then i'd go work at jimmy buffett's recording studio um, just doing basic maintenance uh, and actually sort of taking a breather and eating lunch Uh, there. And then uh, then I worked uh, for a wonderful company called the Fury Water Sports Company. I worked on a a boat, uh, a sunset cruise boat. I set up the sound equipment for a band, and uh, I was sort of the fourth member of the band that would occasionally get to play and uh, be a part of the deal. So um, those were all fun, interesting jobs. Oh, and then I, I played music also on my own. So So those were the five jobs that I had for a five-year period. And uh, prior to that, um, I worked for 10 months digging ditches at the sewage plant in Key West, Florida. I went from 215 flabby pounds to 160 pounds in about two months. And, I mean, uh, it was brutal. I was 54 years old at the time. I was the oldest person on the crew and the only non-felon. So when I dug a 40-foot tunnel by myself, the felons made me an honorary felon, and they meant it. And i got to tell you, the awards that I've won in my life, which are not that many, that is the most meaningful because, by God, those guys, they didn't, you know, I was the only college graduate. They looked at me as as the enemy, you know. And when I showed that I could work like they could, I earned their their respect, and that meant a great deal to me and still does to this day.
1: Um, That's nice. So you've yeah. learned some lessons um, on several levels, I guess, and and I'm sure it's built some character within you.
0: <laughs> well, I, I've learned never to marry a bipolar, menopausal Republican again. I won't do that. So,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, not that there are any on the horizon, but um, you know that are available. But uh, God, my, I mean, I would just never have thought this, although. I have had the weirdest life of anybody I know. Uh, Like I said, I was in a tidal wave in Hilo, Hawaii. Uh, We were there when the volcanoes were erupting, lots of earthquakes. When I was in San Francisco, I was at 8th row behind home plate at the World Series when the quake of 89 hit. Um, A couple of years later, I moved down to Los Angeles. I was in the middle of the Rodney King riots. Uh, When I was in, in San Francisco... I was kayaking and got attacked by a shark. So I've had all this weird stuff happen. Uh, when we lived in Washington D.C., um, I was—we uh, we lived in, in Arlington, Virginia, which is very close to the Pentagon. We were about half a mile away, uh, Miss Darling and I, um, on 9/11. She was on her way to work and was on the George Washington Freeway and stuck in traffic. And I was in our apartment on the sixth floor and uh had the tv on i saw the uh, there was a broadcast about uh something that happened at the pentagon and i could see out our window and i saw the first smoke of nine eleven uh, at the pentagon and i grabbed my camera and went down to the little store and i bought as much film as i could and i went up there and um long story short i didn't i, I shot a couple of photographs one of which um I should never have taken and is uh, a huge regret for me and will be for the rest of my life. I I took a picture of somebody that uh, was severely damaged and and, uh, injured. And their dying wish was that I don't take their picture, and I did. And I destroyed that film and uh, set the camera down. And I regret the hell out of that, and I will for the rest of my life. Wow. So I've been I've been in a lot of weird things. And when I moved to Key West, uh, I was I think it was 2005 was the worst hurricane season ever in the Keys, and I think we had six or seven within a two month period. <laughs> so, uh, and you know uh, I was actually in Waco uh, during the time of the David Koresh uh, circumstance with the FBI and the ATF and all that. Um, so these kinds of odd um, monstrous issues occur, but I survive them all. I don't know how <laughs> but I do and uh I'm not doing so well at surviving now. I'm just uh just barely getting by and have been for about ten years, and I really don't see much on the horizon uh, as far as being able to get out of it.
1: Well and I just you know, take just, day by day, you know one day at a time, That's what I always tell people who experiencing a lot you know and i know a lot of them a lot of people that are suffering in the world and you know i think Absolutely. the only thing you can do is just live live for this day you just got to make it through the day the best you can and yeah. find some beauty in it and then to wake up well, now, I, I just need to wake up and just need to get through this day and then you start stringing together days and that's the way to do it
0: yeah that's true and that's i guess kind of what i've done and uh I've been doing it all simultaneously, and you know, doing the lawsuit and, and working those five jobs, and I, you know, uh, I just did it. You know, I, I honestly, I don't, I don't even know how, and I just got up and did it every day, and it was, I was driven to do it, and um, I be glad I did, and I, and I did get my voice out, and my and my story out for the first and only time there in court in Austin in the fifth district uh, court against Rick Berry and my ex wife. And uh, I think that caused a great deal of issues with them and I think uh I think this appointment in the Trump administration, and I could be wrong about that, is they just are not gonna let a whistleblower win, you know, and they're gonna put her back in the same same position that they took her out of because of the scandal. <laughs> I mean that that's just amazing to me that they would go through the the pro the, this whole monstrous difficult process. I, well, it is for me. It's probably not for them. They got teams of people, you know, that deal with this sort of thing. And uh, I've been fighting them by myself. I haven't. You're, you know what? You're the first uh, media or, or medium that has even uh, allowed me to, to tell my side of the story, and I really do appreciate that. Um, and the opportunity to be on on your show uh, to talk about this because um, it, it's I think it's been the, the the barrier for me as far as getting any kind of credibility or, or traction with this story. And I was hoping that this Trump thing and it, I I don't I don't know if you even knew that 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 was uh, an issue over the last week or so. And it was because it happened just sort of suddenly. Um, right. Well, there's a
1: lot of great positions available in the government these days.
0: <laughs> You'd be yes.
1: surprised.
0: Yeah, you know. I guess so. Maybe I can get one of those.
1: You know what? You probably could. There's a, okay. lot, of empty, there's a lot of empty desks waiting to be filled, from what I understand. Well, I think, was, well, there was I think a show on TV the other I don't remember oh, the way, They were oh, wow. just talking about all the positions that are available, you know. Wow. a hard time keeping them. Well.
0: The people that I know in government probably don't want me in the in the government. So, I mean, they've been able to kind of blackball me from a lot of different areas, and uh, and I cer- certainly felt that sting over the last few years. And honestly, I mean, I really I don't know what's going to. I mean, I'm just getting older. That's the only deal. And I'm luckily I've got great health, and knock on wood, and you know I'm really good shape, and. Uh, and And feel decently pretty good, although you know I'm getting arthritis and having some other issues, but nothing nothing serious at all and uh I'm real thankful and blessed to to have that as an asset. I just wish I could you know afford to stop on the treadmill and take a breath every now and then, you know just to kind of get over this but um you know it's just a, a, it, but you know it's great to finally be able to tell my story and uh, Hopefully, have other people hear it as well, and and probably there's a lot of folks out there, like you said, that can relate to it, and that they're going through their things too, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh, you no,
0: know, that's for well, sure. And
1: go
0: ahead. So, oh, I was just going to say, you know, I, I appreciate the opportunity to to well, voice uh, voice my story here for the very first time uh, in public. So
1: well, thank you fantastic. so much. I really appreciate that you came on and. I hope that you enjoyed it, and it must be cathartic to be able to get that story out of you.
0: Well, thank you very much for having me. And uh, it was was a pleasure, although it's kind of difficult to talk about sometimes. uh, But you made it very easy, and I appreciate that.
1: Well, thanks, Bob. You take care. I'm going to go ahead. Very good.
0: Okay, thank you so much. Not letting me in.